Blog Talk Radio. Time now for the Gridiron Stud Show. Well, you can be all American. I'm asking you now. I'm asking you. I can do it now. You can do it now? Yeah, I can do it. But I'm trying to focus on my position. With your host, Chad Wilson. It ain't no more sense. You know, I got to be something in the mix. Bringing you high school, college, and NFL talk. I don't rap a discipline. Minasa. You all need more discipline. True discipline. Come on, get a grip. Call us on the show today. Go get out of my face with that crazy stuff. The number to call, 347-633-9365. Y'all got to take, y'all know that. Or you can reach us on Twitter, at Gridiron Stud. And now, your host, Chad Joe Madden's 
uh, decision to bring in Araldis Chapman in the seventh inning of the game last night, a game in which they had a pretty comfortable lead for most of it. Obviously, Chapman is someone you think the Cubs would rely on in uh, tonight's crucial, pivotal uh, game seven. I, I, you know, listen, I look at it like this. Listen, first of all, you're not the manager of the baseball team, okay, all you talking heads out there. You're not day-to-day. I, I, I really want to think that Joe Madden knows his baseball team better than you do. So maybe he had a discussion with Chapman. Maybe somewhere along the line he found out that Chapman would be better off in a game seven if he went in the night before and got a couple pitches. In. I mean, folks, the guy went in there through 20 pitches. Is that what it was, 20 pitches? It's going to make all the difference in the world tonight? Give me a break, okay? I'm going to trust Joe Madden, whose uh, team had the best record in baseball this year and um, got this team, the Cubs, who, let me remind you again, have not been to a World Series since we're dropping bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I would like to think this guy knows his team better than you. So uh, for all of you talking heads out there and those of you in the social media that uh, question everything, how about a tall glass of shut the up this morning? How about that for you guys? All right, so I'm going to just leave it at that. Let the man manage his baseball team and the rest of you just pretty much be quiet. All right. Uh, plenty of things to get to on the show today. Like I said, college football on tap, high school football on tap. We're going to ask some questions uh, about some football down here in South Florida. So things are kind of changing, and we need to get some questions. Also going to line up uh, the first-round parents for all of the relevant South Florida teams down here. Uh, who's getting paired up in that first round? Are there some blowouts? Are there some potentially pretty good football games that we're going to run into in that first round of playoffs down here in uh, all of the particular districts that pertain to South Florida teams in the playoffs? So we're going to talk about that today. Uh, dabble a little bit in uh, college football recruiting and touch on any college football issues that you folks want to touch on here. If you want to reach me on the show today, and I encourage you to call with your comments and your questions, the number to call is 347-633-9365. 347-633-9365. And then also, uh, do follow the new Gridiron Stud Show Twitter account. Made a special account for uh, the Gridiron Stud Show, so jump on there and follow it. G-I-S show bg at gis show bg head over there and follow us now you can send your questions and comments there and we'll take them on the air and talk about it here over the next hour on the gridiron stud show hey folks this jalen hurd story uh not going away obviously mr hurd has rubbed people the wrong way by um calling it quits during this three-game losing streak. Now, apparently, Hurd had been disgruntled and uh, unhappy at Tennessee for quite some time. There are reports out there that Hurd wanted to leave Tennessee last year, feeling like the offense uh, just was not suited for his skills, and he may be right about that. But I'm going to maintain what I said yesterday. The timing of his departure just couldn't be worse, Jalen. I mean, you've been unhappy. Why not? That's my only problem with this. There are, you know, hundreds of college football players unhappy in their current situations right now. 
Some do make a decision to move. Max Brown's making a similar decision in USC. You know, however, Max Brown did not decide to leave after USC was beaten 52 to 6 by Alabama, or they had the miserable um, come from behind loss against Utah. You know, he made it sometime after that. I mean, Jalen Hurt could not have picked a worse time. So, what's the response? And here's a here's a story I get. This is what I think sucks about today's media is that Jalen Hurt, just a kid, concerned about his future, uh, as are the majority of the kids playing college football. They're worried about their next step in this game. Can you fault them for that? But, you know, in what has been so typical of late with our media, we get this story today. Report, Jalen Hurd's mother arrested for altercation at Florida Gate September 24th. The story was released yesterday. Now, tell me something. Did this just come to light yesterday? Did it just somehow, some way, this story, uh, everyone found this out, the source on this story, just found this out yesterday? Oh, you know, by the way, right around the time Jalen Hurd decides that he's going to transfer, this is the garbage that we get from the media. So now we're going to trash this kid and his mom's name. Unbelievable. And so according, uh, according to uh, this story, and I'm just going to read some of this here for you. Just hours after Jalen Leonard's stepfather ran it on Facebook Live defending his departure from Tennessee and trying to set the record straight, a report surfaced. <laughs> I like that. A report surfaced. Oh, did it now. That's just amazing how that happens. The confluence of events that takes place there. Jalen Hurd says he's leaving. Father goes on a rant. And then a report, quote unquote, surfaces. And the report surfaced about Hurd's mother's arrest the Tennessee Florida game on September 24th. Folks, uh, the story comes out November 1st. Incident occurred September 24th, over a month, over five weeks ago. It happened. The arrest happened five weeks ago. The game happened. Five weeks ago, the report surfaces, ironically, uh, five weeks later, and coincides with Jalen Hurd making his decision to leave Tennessee. I mean, that's absolute total garbage. And it's unbelievable. Goes on to say, WNML's Jimmy Hines obtained a police report that says Tara Smotherman Hurd's mother got into an altercation in the stands after a group of fans began dissing her son. I don't, you know, know that this is something unusual. There's a lot of dissing that goes on in the stands, and it's not always rival fans against rival team. It goes on within uh, the confines of uh, parents or fans uh, levying insults at their own team. Because, you know, college football is a very emotional thing. People get emotional about it. Fans, super emotional. And when they're winning, they get emotional and start to taunt the other team. And when their team loses, oh, they turn all that energy towards their own. They will eat their young. They will chew their own faces when their team loses. Here are some of the tweets. 
Terrace Mothman, mother of now departed UT running back Jalen Hurd, was arrested during the Florida game September 24th after an altercation. Uh, that's the report that surfaced. Apparently, some Florida fans were dissing her when an argument ensued. Officers assigned to work the game approached Smotherman. Per Knox County Sheriff's Department incident report obtained by WMNL Radio, Smotherman was combated and ignored verbal commands. Smotherman's actions were apparently not limited to the fans talking smack about her. According to the police report, Smotherman pushed an officer. I'm sure he felt like his life was in danger. She reportedly was charged with assaulting an officer and resisting arrest. She resisted being handcuffed, then was charged with assaulting an officer and resisting arrest. She was taken to the detention facility. The report does not indicate that there was any bond. How do reports like this just surface? It's incredible. I just, stuff like this just blows my mind when it happens. But it is. And it's out there. And uh, you just got to wonder about our media these days and uh, what it is they think that they're doing. So there you have that. Jalen Hurd decides to transfer, and who knows what they're going to dig up on old Jalen now. God forbid if that kid did anything, if he hit a neighbor and a guy with a slingshot. We're going to know about it here because they're going to make sure that that comes out. That's your journalism at work these days, people. Unfreaking believable. So another interesting story today um, in the Miami Herald. And in this story, it's talking about the University of Miami needs an elite running back. Are you kidding me? And the story goes on to talk about uh, 2017 recruits that are committed to the University of Miami suggesting that those are going to be the, you know, elite running backs that the university so sorely needs. Say what? Are any of those guys going to be more elite in high school than the two major guys on the roster right now? I mean, who's more elite than Mark Walton? Not many. Joe Yerby? Take it from someone who played against the duo of Joe Yerby and Dalvin Cook, had to coach against both of those young men. And I know I'm going to catch some heat for this, but I was right there watching the film, preparing for the game, and actually coaching in it. Joe Yerby was every bit of a problem as Dalvin Cook was. Every bit of a problem in high school as Dalvin Cook was. And here we are now with a story by Barry Jackson in the Miami Herald. And apparently this story is born out of some quotes or maybe some feelings they got after talking to Kane's offensive coordinator, Thomas Brown, that, you know, the Kane, here's what we got right now. Mark Walton is averaging just three yards per carry in 16 career games against opponents from the Power Five conferences. We're going to date this back to last year under the tragic regime of one Al Golden. And I suppose if you're trying to make an argument, you'll dig in uh, any little bit of stats that you could pull in, but they're pulling those in. Also goes on to say Joe Yerby is averaging 5.4 yards per carry against Power 5 teams this season, but he obviously isn't on the same level as Dalvin Cook. 
who's on the level of Dalvin Cook outside of Leonard Fournette? Oh, what's the long list of names of people that are on Dalvin Cook's level right now? Help me with that, somebody. I'm itching for those answers. Can you believe this stuff? It's just amazing to me right now. So if you've got a thought on that, the fact that the University of Miami is looking for an elite running back and they quote-unquote don't have one on their roster right now, feel free to call into the show. It's 347-633-9365. I was just really scratching my head looking at this article. It goes on to talk about um, Robert Burns at Gulliver, who's a three-star athlete, by the way. Not that I give a damn about any of that. But ranked three stars uh, by rivals, four by ESPN. I don't know. You think Joe Yerby or uh, Mark Walton were considered better running backs than Robert Burns in high school? Here was a kicker for me. Citing a source, uh, the Canes are also looking into pursuing Jordan Cronkite, who's unhappy at the University of Florida. So your answer to not having an elite running back on the roster currently is Jordan Cronkite, who had issues beating out his fellow running mates up in Florida. Jordan Scarlett, Michael Prerine, and Mark Thompson, that's your elite back. He's going to solve your problems. He's going to go off on those Power 5 teams. Like, what the hell is going on? You guys can check out that article at Miami Herald. Uh, just another one of those things that uh, are unbelievable to me. So there you have it. That's how we're kicking this thing off with stories like that out of the media. We're going to get into some high school football stuff. Believe it or not, folks, a high school football coach, his job is on the line, being investigated for having his team do up-downs. But there's a little bit more to the story than you think. We'll talk about that when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Stay with Just be the self-self-rich man. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? 
Step up and visit GridironSuds.com today. We've got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironSuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. Are you a property owner or want to be one, but you don't have time for property management? Then get an MVP on your team. Who has time for the letting process, for arranging inventories and organizing pre-tenancy cleaning, dealing with deposit negotiation and negotiating with service suppliers and maintenance? No one's got time for that. MVP does, though. Get this MVP on your team. You can rely on MVP Property Management to offer you an extreme amount of quality and professional services for your money. And because they know that everyone is different, they pride themselves in providing a professionalized service to each and every one of their clients. So how do you get this MVP on your team? It's simple. Pick up the phone and call right now. 844-696-8722. That's 844-MY-MVP-CC. Or send an email to info at mymvp.cc. Get this MVP on your team and start winning today. Quick uh, pregame interview with you. How many interceptions are you gonna get off Aaron Murray this game? Uh, I'm gonna try to get about two. About two? Why yeah. only two, man? Why are you gonna try to get three? You know, I ain't no DB, but I'm gonna do what I gotta do. You know, really? Like team wins, I thought know? you look like a DB. Look, ball, I mean, because you play, you can play defense. You can be all American at defense. Now, yeah, I'm actually, I can do it now. You can do it now. Yeah, I can do it. But I'm trying to focus on my position running back. You know, four stars. Right? I'm trying to get that last one. You know. <laughs> I get that last one. I'm why, sure. why don't we give me four stars, man? They hating on you. They hating on Dylan yeah. kids. Hey, they hating on me. You know, yeah, I gotta man. be something in the mix. Hey, you know Larry Bluestein, right? Yeah, that's my boy. Yeah, man. Larry said that you ain't even the best player at Dillard, man. Huh? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He's tripping, man. What are you playing with me for like that? I don't know, you, man. You, I, are, you saying, are you saying that to give me crunk, though? <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Are you saying he want me yeah, for 2000 Tell Larry you're the best player in the state right now. Oh, Larry, you know he's good, boy. You already know. I'm the best in the nation. I'm <laughs> <laughs> to be number one right now. Hey, man, I see you and Coach Carter going back and forth. You letting him know that, you know, Dillard can take a Qantas any time, right? Oh, yeah, any time. You know, when I, you saw when I played him, the damn team carried two touchdowns, 165 yards. I was raping him. If y'all got to take, y'all know that. I was spending. Oh, man, it just never gets old. That's all I can say about that Travis Ward interview. All right, in there, talks about Larry Bluestein, the legendary reporter here in South Florida, who, by the way, was uh, voted into the Broward County High School Hall of Fame last week. So congratulations to Larry Bluestein. I'm hopeful to get him on to the show next week. We can talk about, listen, over four decades of experience covering sports and uh, high school sports, youth sports down here in the state of Florida. I mean, he's got to be a complete walking Wikipedia of information uh, as it pertains to who did what in high school sports down here in the state of Florida. So looking forward to getting Larry on with us 
next week. How about this for a story? Just a little quick tidbit here. You know, we're in an election year. And by the way, I just cannot wait till Super Tuesday gets here and gets the hell on because my Facebook feed is in shambles. Absolute shambles. I can't go on there without some kind of ridiculous propaganda being put up to try and shape votes. It's going on daily. I just, ah. Uh. But just so you uh, have an idea of how sometimes our tax-paying dollars are at work, here's this little tidbit I came along uh, on social media, of course, because that's where I get all of my news. How about this one? In investigating a pr- prostitution at a Seattle strip club, an undercover cop visited the club 160 times, spent at least $16,835 of taxpayer money on 130 lap dances and an undetermined number of undocumented dances. And uh, get this, here's the best part. He never made an arrest. Uh, I mean, come on, man. Let's do a little math here. $16,835 spent on 130 lap dances. Puts that at about $130 a lap dance. So uh, you veterans of the strip clubs out there, you know, that ain't me. You veterans of the strip clubs out there. Uh, are we paying $130 for a lap dance? And if not, what else do you think went on? There? <laughs> I mean, you can't make this stuff up. 16835 of your tax dollars out there in Seattle is spent investigating prostitution because we got to really, we got to, we got to stamp that thing out, man. We got to crack down on that prostitution at a club where women dance butt naked. I mean, how could someone go into a strip club and have sex on their mind? That's ridiculous. That's outrageous. We've got to cut down on that. Well, let's go spend 16, let's throw $16,835 at the problem. And we're going to send our best guy in there. And you know what? Officer Hardeman, um, you have free reign. Here's your budget. Um, here's your time. Because you need to go there at least, you know, 200 times, 150 times you need to go to this club to get to the bottom of this whole thing. His word is, man, this prostitution going on. And you know what, Officer Hardiman, if you go into this strip club and you we crack down on this, we make some arrests, I mean, that's going to put a real damper on prostitution in our, in our city. I mean, suburban mothers, soccer moms are just going to feel so much safer about the world that their children live in that we can crack down on the uh, strip club prostitution going on. So that's amazing. 130 lap dances costing $16,835. And, uh, you know, at the end of all that activity, um, we've determined that there's, you know, nothing going on here. There is. And I've investigated extensively through my 160 visits and 130 lap dances. I like the part that says number of undocumented dances. Uh Uh-oh. We didn't log that lap dance in. Where did that one take place? Did it happen in the champagne room? Yeah, this is what's going on. Hey, folks, do remember to go vote. uh, Or, you know, you're faced with stuff like this going on. 
How many of y'all now want to be police officers, right? And cops, not in vogue of late in this country, but hey, when you hear a story like that, kind of makes you want to go join the police force. I'll tell you what might not be in, being a coach, being a football coach, being a football coach in the state of Florida. Now, mind you, if you're in Texas, Georgia, some of these other places where coaches can approach and uh, eclipse six figures, yeah, it's a great, it's an outstanding job from a financial standpoint. You know, to my Florida coaches that are down here listening to me, I, you know, I think we're all in the same boat. Coach high school football, have for a number of years now. You're not doing it for the money. Okay, let's get that out there right now. We're not doing it for the money. We're doing it for the love. It is a labor of love because you're just not uh, compensated, really, for the actual amount of time that you put into this. So let me just get that out of the way as I go into this story. We've given that fact. Look, we're not highly paid down here in the state of Florida. Uh, we've got this story. And uh, I'm going to read this to you. Now, you know, I did throw a headline out there going into the break that a Florida coach is being investigated for uh, upcounts. But it's a little deeper than that. Just follow me on this one as I read this. A Florida high school football coach is under investigation, uh, investigation for allegedly hazing related to a disturbing post-game workout in a Walmart parking lot. <laughs> Already, um, you don't need to ask who won or lost that game. When you're stopping at Walmart and there's a workout going on in a parking lot at Walmart, well, then I think you kind of know who's on the short end of that football game. And uh, the post-game workout took place in a Walmart parking lot en route back to the school following a Friday night loss. And so there you have it. Atlantic's current head coach is Matt Dixon, and Atlantic lost its game on Friday at Coco by a score of 56 to nothing. Yeah, that'll piss off the coach. Should piss off the players, too. Nevertheless, as reported by Orlando's CBS affiliate WKMG, an unspecified Atlantic high school football coach is under investigation for his actions following his team's most recent Friday night loss. According to the mother of one player, the coach in question stopped en route to the school's campus following a loss, made his players unload, and perform up-down an exercise where athletes run in place, dive to the ground, and bounce up quickly. We all know, you know, if you coach football, play football, been around football, you know what up-downs are. Players were allegedly told they had to perform the exercise or they'd be kicked off the team, with multiple players refusing and eventually facing that fate. So basically, um, you had a number of individuals say, screw you, coach, not doing these up-downs, and he promptly kicked them off the team. The mother of one athlete who has since left the team over the incident is calling for the undisclosed coaching question to be punished, categorizing his actions as hazing. We love to label things now, hazing, bullying. I mean, raise your hand out there if your, you know, high school football coach did some drastic things after a loss or a piss-poor practice that borderline crazy. Listen, Man, this sport, this football thing, you got to have some toughness. You got to be a little bit wacko. Uh, this helps build character. Folks, the pussification of America is real. It's happening right before your eyes. 
We're not making men anymore. We got mothers now describing a, an incident such as this as hate. Now, yes, I know what you're going to want to say. Hey, um, that's not a grass parking lot at Walmart. Okay, concrete there. You're asking these kids to do up-downs on. I am pretty sure of two things. Unless this coach is a complete and total whack job, these up-downs are being performed in a manner in which um, there's probable, probably minimum risk to a player suffering um, an injury. Furthermore, the players who uh, I'm going to have to assume are interested in self-preservation would perform said up-downs in a way is which they wouldn't bust their face open, crack open their chest, or destroy their knees. So I'm going to go on record as saying I think those who refused just did so out of the fact that this is what we're raising now. Young men and women in this country who have no respect for any kind of authority, whether that's coach, that's teacher, that's uh, officer, that's principal, that's parents, God, you name it, no authority over me whatsoever. You're not going to tell me what to do. Hey, and you know what? If they lost 56 nothing to Coco, um, who's a good team, by the way? I, without looking, I'm pretty sure Atlantic's probably having uh, a pretty rough season. Don't know how many years this coach has been here. He's probably at his wit end, wit's end. Probably had it with the insubordination, the inability to really coach these players. And it's tough to coach players in this day and age where they are, like I said, have no regard whatsoever for authority. Probably said, screw it. Probably got a case of the ethics. Quit. You're kicked off the team. Go. Goodbye. They're probably going to fire me anyway. Where at the end of the season, I'm probably out of here anyway. Whether that's on my own or, you know, they're going to fire me. I'm a dead man walking. But before I go, I'm going to lay it to some of you uh, insubordinate bastards that I've had to deal with all season long. Hey, man, just do the up-downs. Do it. You lost 56 nothing. Okay? Do them. Build a little character. But no, the moms are in there. They're storming in. They're storming into the office. They're ready to go to the school board, the Supreme Court. Unbelievable. So I'm going to say it again. The pussification of uh, America is well on its way. That movement is in full tilt. Let's talk about the playoffs. Uh, somewhere that I guess Atlantic is not going. And this is not the Atlantic in uh, Delray, folks. So it's the Atlantic further up, further up in the state of Florida. So don't go calling over to Atlantic High School in Delray. Um, trying to give the coach a piece of your mind or offer any condolences. Not that Atlantic. Slide on up the state. But getting back to South Florida, um, we've got some playoffs coming up. And the scenarios are set. Let's run through them for you. For the South Florida teams in District 11-8A, Deerfield Beach is your district champion. They end the season on 7-1. They're going to take on Piper. How about that? Piper really has been a hidden football team, a hidden football program over the last few years. Piper, one of the jump-up teams in Broward County this year. What I mean by that, you know, one of those teams that come out of nowhere, they land a coach, and uh, players start getting, a, you know, an amazing amount of players move into that school's district. 
It's crazy how that happens. Just homes and apartments are rented in that district, amazingly upon hiring of this coach, and so they load up on players. I'm being a bit of a, you know, a jerk there, but no, congrats to Piper. Uh, solid football coach. Team. They've done a great job over there at Piper. Uh, they end the season at 8-1. They are the district runner-up. District 12-8, Flanagan is uh, your winner. They're the defending state 8A champions end the season. 6-0 in the district, 8-1 overall. Western is your runner-up. Western, another team that has not been uh, at or around the playoffs in uh, a little bit of some time there. Western uh, beats out Miramar, Cypress, Gray, Everglades, Plantation, um, other schools that have been perennial attendees to the uh, postseason party. Um, Western stands above them. Western 5-1 in the District 6-2 overall. District 13-8A, North Miami Beach. How about those guys? 5-1 in the District 6-2 overall. They're the district champions. And American, we all buried American. Left for dead. I mean, all their players, their whole roster had been essentially raped by Carroll City Central. Everyone was gone. And somehow, Americans still made it in there. New coach, everything. Coach left, gone. New coach, new players. Americans still in this thing. Four and one in the district. Four and four overall. District runner-up. Not the strongest district, but again, I just told you everything American had to go through this season, and they made it to the postseason. Congrats to them. District 14-8A, Columbus. Undefeated in the district, 4-0, 6-3 overall, district champions, Coral Gables. Um, I'm sure they expected to be the district champions, but they fell to Columbus. A little bit of a disappointment for them. Do they go into the postseason quite motivated? 3-1 in the district, 7-1 overall. Um, they are the runners up. District 15-8A, Belen Jesuit. Perennial solid football team, 5-0, 6-3 overall, district champions, Southwest. I mean, that's not one of the powerhouse programs in Dade County. But somehow Southwest triumphed over Braddock, Coral Reef, Ferguson, Varela, and uh, ends up with a 4-1 district record. 7-1 overall, your district runner-up. And then staying in 8-8, District 16-8-A, Southridge, who was uh, relentless in the district play. I don't believe they allowed a touchdown. 4-0 in district play, 6-2 overall. District champions, Palmetto, your runner-up, 3-1, 7-1 overall. A little surprised how they didn't make it. Killian decimated in much of the same fashion that American did. They were not as fortunate as American. 3-6 overall didn't make it, and hopes that continues their free fall down south. Exit one, having a, having a real hard time. District 14, 7A, so uh, no surprises there. St. Thomas Aquinas, 2-0, very small district there for them. Undefeated in district play, 2-0, 6-2 overall, district champions. Fort Lauderdale, another stranger. Hey, some strange teams making it in the playoffs in South Florida. Some strange teams making it. And so uh, that's what you've got going on there. I'm going to take a quick break. When I get back, we'll continue talking about the district races and pairings on the Great Iron Central. I'll be right back right after this.
you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Sure, summer's gone, winter's here, but that doesn't mean everyone's putting their t-shirts away. Whether it's the company recreational basketball team, the youth soccer league for the kids, or the Halloween party your buddy throws every year, t-shirts are as much a part of the American culture as Tom Brady deflating footballs. Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay even higher prices. More colors, more costly. The answer? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. Whether it's your 7-on-7 team, your child's birthday party, or the family reunion, you can do it yourself and they'll look great. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, do the wording, whatever you want, print it on your own inkjet paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, and iron it on with your own hand iron. The design or pictures you put on your t-shirts are limited only by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up and design it, the paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com can get it onto your t-shirt. By the way, don't worry if you haven't done it before. As T-Shirt Supplies has first-rate customer service, they'll help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirt, no hyphen, supplies pearl, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. That's 1-857-85-PAPER. T-shirtsupplies.com. Go there now. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down.
Feels like a football game's about to start here. 10:44 on the Gridiron Studs Show. Chad Wilson here with you, talking high school football, college football, and uh, anything else that's on your mind here. You want to reach me on the show today? It's 347-633-9365. 347-633-9365. If you like me, your health is important, and uh, part of Remaining in good health is regularly seeing a doctor or being able to see one when something happens to you. And that's why health insurance is very, very important. Now is the time to get free health insurance for you and your loved ones. Primary care insurance is now enrolling individuals into their Obamacare insurance plan. So call today. That's correct. Free health care and free health insurance. Obamacare is now available until November 10th. Now available now from November 1st to January 31st. Sorry, it's urgent that you call today, though. The number is 954-278-8696. Open enrollment only comes once a year. This means that the government is willing to pay for your health insurance needs. Do not miss out on your opportunity. The time to get free health insurance for you and your family is now. So please call 954-278-8696. Again, call now. The number is 954-278-8696. Also, you can visit our webpage, uh, that is OptimumNationalInsurance.com. Let them know that you heard it on the Gridiron Studs Show. But again, folks, open enrollment, I need to say this again, open enrollment only comes once a year. So this isn't something you want to delay on. Get this taken care of right now. And again, get in touch with the folks right now at Primary Care Insurance. And again, number 954-278-8696. And if it's free, it's for me. And it's health insurance we're talking about here. All right, getting back to the uh, district alignments and the playoff implications. Uh, we talked about St. Thomas and Fort Lauderdale making it out of District 1478. Let's talk about District 1578. MacArthur. I mean, listen, there's some strange folks coming up in Broward County right now. All right, I already told you about Piper. Fort Lauderdale's in the playoffs. Here's another one, MacArthur. It's been a while for MacArthur. And not only did they get into the playoffs, they're your district champions, folks. MacArthur undefeated, not only in the district, but on the season. One of uh, only a handful of undefeated football teams in South Florida. MacArthur 9-0, district champions. Cooper City is your runner-up. It's been, I don't know how long for Cooper City. So, I mean, holy... Um, back in the day, I can't even pull out a, I can't even pull out a, a year for you. And I, I wish if someone out there knows, when was the last time MacArthur and Cooper City made it into the playoffs at the same time? That might be the, this might be the first time that that's ever happened. Cooper City three and two in the district, four and four overall uh, into the playoffs. District sixteen seven A and Matter Academy eight no eight and one district champs. Doral Academy, your runner up seven and one in the district, eight and one overall. District fifteen six A Dillard been a while since Dillard uh, has uh, been a district champion. Two and one in the district, six and two overall. Boynton Beach, your runner up, two and one, five and three. Now, they had to go through some tiebreaker stuff. Uh, Boyd Anderson, Boynton Beach, and Dillard. We'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. But uh, we had a, a three-way tie there between Dillard, Boynton Beach, and Boyd Anderson. Boyd Anderson ends up being loser in that. And they're out. Season's over for them. Dillard, Boynton Beach, move on. District 16-6A. The SEC of South Florida. I'm going to skip that one because uh, we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about what happened in that district this year. 
Um, very, very interesting things. Uh, the most interesting district in South Florida. I think we all can agree on that. Slide in the district uh, five, uh, class 5A, district 16 5A, American Heritage undefeated in the district 5-0, 9-0 overall. District champions, your runner-up is Cardinal Gibbons, who had a good season as well. 4-1 in the district 7-1 overall. Uh, triumph over Allendale, Jackson, Stranahan, Coconut Creek. District 7, 4A, Clewiston, 3-0, 5-3. District champions, Glade Central, your runner-up, 2-1, 6-3. Failing to make a university school Somerset Academy. District 8-4A, Booker T, the return of Ice Harris. Booker T looking to go back to Orlando and continue their dominance in uh, Class 4A. District champs 4-0 in the District 7-3 overall. Edison, been a while for Edison since they've uh, been up and around doing things uh, after uh, November 1st. But here they are, 3-1 in the District 6-1 overall. There are your district runner-up, District 8, 3A, Shamanon, your winner, 3-0, 6-2 in the district, Westminster Christian under Earl Little, 2-1 in the district, 5-4 overall in your runner-up. And then finally, District 8, 2A, Champagnat, who's uh, just been a mainstay in the postseason over the last couple of years. Uh, no difference there, 2-0 in the district, 8-1 overall, district champs, Village Academy coming in second, 3-6 overall, by the way. Um, that kind of stuff under the new format, probably not going to happen anymore. You're not going to see uh, three and six football teams making it. Let's slide back to District 16, 6A, the uh, SEC of uh, South Florida here in terms of, um, you know, in terms of high school football down here. This is a district that is probably the toughest. Well, let me not say probably, is the toughest. And uh, listen, you had a 14 district of Northwestern, Carroll City, Central, and Norland. Coming into this season, you're saying to yourself, Central's the winner of this district. Who is going to make it out of those other three? Northwestern, Carroll City, Norland. Perhaps um, your odds-on favorite to grab that runner-up spot was going to be Carroll City. Uh, seem to be making the biggest moves in the offseason. Pretty strong team last year. Things falling into place. So Carroll City be grabbing that runner-up spot. And it looks like Northwestern and New Orleans, um, you know, two very proud programs that have accomplished a lot. State championships under their belt. And, um, you know, a whole lot of success uh, in high school football in South Florida are going to be left on the outside looking in. Well, if you said Carroll City was going to be the district runner-up, you got that right. And there were many of you out there that said that. Where you went wrong was your district champion. Penciling in, or some of you writing it in permanent marker that Central was going to win District 16-6A this year, got shocked because your four-time straight in a row champion Central did not, I repeat, did not make it to the playoffs this year. That's the big shocker in Dave County. You know who did make it? Northwestern, 3-0 in this district. That in and of itself is an accomplishment because you had to feel like if Central wasn't going to make it in, and probably precious few people thought that, but if you were one of the precious few that felt like somehow Central wouldn't make it in, then we'd be involved in some kind of a district three-way tie where everyone had a loss. That's not the case. Northwestern went out and handled their business. 3-0 in the district, 8-1 overall, district champions. Carroll City ended up 2-1, 4-3 overall, your district runner-up. 
Tell me you're not surprised by this. Absolutely shocked. I'm not as shocked, though, because I will say this. We had the opportunity at American Heritage, where I coached, to play two of these four teams in this district, Northwestern and Norland. And I will say this. Um, through the first half of our game against Northwestern, we didn't feel them to be anything special. Uh, it was well on its way to being a route. We're up 27 to 6 at halftime. It's a game that should have probably been uh, 41 to 6 or something like that at the half. We blew some opportunities inside the red zone, missed a field goal, and this game should have been lopsided. Not impressed with Northwestern at all through the first, you know, 24 minutes of the football game. But come out of halftime, um, and we presented some opportunities, and boy, did Northwestern take advantage of them, and you saw a very strong football team. A never-say-die, um, never-quit football team that could grind you out and then make big plays. And I think it was from that point on that Northwestern realized what they had, and they just took off from that point. They were choppy, a little bit erratic coming into that game, leading up to that game. From that point on, now we ended up winning the game, 34-32 over Northwestern. But from that point on, Northwestern really did take off. And uh, they went about beating all of the other teams on their schedule, including Carroll City, Central, and Norland. And in that final matchup against Carroll City, a game that people still uh, had doubts about Northwestern, they triumphed. So my question to y'all out there is how did Northwestern jump up? Because, you know, I like to use that term. How did they jump up in Dade County? How did they get themselves back to the old days? Because, you know, I know your alumni over there from Northwestern, you're diehards, you're relentless. How is it that your school got back into the driver's seat in Dade County? I mean, because Central was a juggernaut. Were they not? A complete juggernaut. Going to the championship game each and every year, winning it, they had a stranglehold on Dade County. And somehow, someway, Northwestern triumphed. Someone's got to tell me how they did that. Feel free to call in with the amount of time that we have left here, about 15, 20 minutes left in the show. 347-633-9365. How did Northwestern seize control of Dade County. Because, listen, we got to look at it. Who's the, who is the new king of Dade County? I think Central held that title over the last few years. Yes, Central and Booker T had their battles, but uh, I think Central was your winner in those. And basically, your winner of this district right here um, is, you know, your, your king in Dade County. How did Northwestern seize the crown? And tell me what happened at Central this year. How is it that Central, by all means, still as a talented a football team as they've been in the past, what has happened there? Where were the holes in Central this year? What was the problem? How is it that they're not in the playoffs? Yes, I get that as a tough district, but someone tell me what happened. Again, 347-633-9365. Or reach out to me on Twitter if the boss is breathing over your shoulder currently and you're not able to call into the show. At GIS Show BG. Or if you still follow me on the uh, old account for the Gridiron Studs show, at Gridiron Studs. 
send your question or comment in there. Just would love to know how that took place. So, um, kudos to Northwestern and the Bulls for uh, getting it done in that district. Pretty amazing, if you ask me, that they could uh, jump up that fast, made things happen that quickly. Hey, let's talk about rankings, shall we? I mean, uh, I've got a little bit of a bone to pick, perhaps. But you know what? Before I get to that, let's let's just – so now we talked about who won their districts and who the runner-ups are. Let's just talk about what the first rounds are going to look like for the South Florida teams. Again, if you're outside of the area and you want to discuss – something going on with your particular school or team, feel free to do so. And again, 347-633-9365. In Class 8A, here's what we got in the first round. Delray Beach Atlantic. That's that's the other Atlantic. Not the school whose coach had him do the up-downs in the parking lot and is now looking uh, probably being shot in front of a firing squad. Delray Beach Atlantic at Wellington in that uh, first round. Palm Beach Gardens at Park Vista. Western is going to travel to face Deerfield Beach. What do you think is going to happen there? Piper and Flanagan, that might be a pretty good matchup. Piper, one of the jump-up teams in Broward County this year, taking on the uh, the reigning 8A champs in the state. Down in Region 4, Coral Gables takes on North Miami Beach. American facing Columbus. Palmetto taking on Belen Jesuit. Southwest Miami versus Southridge. Those on paper, look like uh, pretty uh, easy games to handicap as to who the winners are going to be. Class 7A, there's only one region really we need to concern ourselves with down here in South Florida, Region 4. Fort Lauderdale is going to travel to Dwyer. Palm Beach Lakes is coming to face St. Thomas Aquinas. Doral Academy taking on the undefeated MacArthur Mustangs. Cooper City is going to take on Matter Academy. Class 6A. Um, and we're still trying to figure things out there. Okeechobee at Mainland. Uh, Mainland, a team to really watch out for. Montana's versus Sebastian River in District 16 and 15. Uh, still sorting out, I believe. Right now I'm on FloridaHSFootball.com. Class 5A, that's all worked out. Merritt Island's going to be at Bishop Moore. Eustace at Palm Bay. Cardinal Gibbons is going to take on Suncoast, Fort Pierce, Westwood coming to base. American Heritage out of Plantation. Class 4A, Glade Central, traveling to Facebook or T. Edison is playing Cluiston. Class 3A, Cardinal Newman at Shawnee, Madonna, Westminster Christian is going to travel to face Oxbridge Academy. And then finally, Class 2A, you're going to have Village Academy taking on Naples First Baptist and Naples Community School taking on Champagnat. And that's pretty much it, of course, down here in South Florida. Let's talk about rankings, though. Because, yeah, you know, I don't, you know, look, folks like rankings. Um, you got them. And, you know, rankings really are just a, a way to drum up some controversy. And, uh, you know, Joe Pinkos, one of the quote-unquote, can I even say that, authorities on uh, high school football, Am I allowed to say something like that as it pertains to Joe Pinkos? Not even sure. Um, has these rankings that he comes out with. And uh, he's delivered his most recent power rankings. Let's talk about this. 
Of course, at the top is IMG University, as I like to call them. That's not a high school, folks. Come on. Go on. Have you seen those guys? As all the looks of a prep school, and you got people talking loud around here in the state that think they should be handled as such, a prep school. Clearly, they're at the top. They've uh, run through a, a lot of opponents. They have all the resources. They have college-style locker rooms, facilities. Uh, they practice it any hour of the day that they want. It's a college program, folks. It's college prep in the biggest sense of the word. They are number one, 216.1 points, if that's important to you. Number two is St. Thomas. But, hey, hold on now. St. Thomas has two losses on the bench. One of those losses is to a Booker T team that has three losses on the season. How is it St. Thomas is ranked second ahead of an undefeated American Heritage team who beat Northwestern, who I told you was the winner of that all-important and very the toughest district in South Florida. American Heritage went on the road to face Northwestern and won. 8-1 Northwestern. Beat them. That alone probably trumps just about everything St. Thomas has done. St. Thomas is getting points for a loss, really. So they went and took on Bishop Gorman on a road close game. Give kudos for that. I just don't get St. Thomas being ranked ahead of American Heritage. I may not even get them being ranked ahead of Northwestern, who beat Booker T. And that Booker T team beat St. Thomas. I don't get it. Pinkos, though. Pinkos is that guy. Number three is American Heritage. Number four is Northwestern. Five is Mainland. Six, Venice. Seven, Vanguard. Eight, Oxbridge. Nine, Carroll City. Ten is Plantation. Miami Central, who's 6-2, not in the playoffs, is number 11. Yeah. That. As I look through this top 25, the reigning 8A champions in the state, Flanagan, are nowhere to be found on this. Flanagan's 8A, one loss, nowhere on this Florida's Power 25 set up by Pinkos. What do we make of such a thing? What gives on that, Mr. Joe Pinkos? I'd love to know the formula you come up with. So as I dig deeper, uh, I go into his Class 8A Power 10. Here's what he has. as his top 10 in Class 8A, where Flanagan resides. Apopka, 1. Vero Beach, 2. Gables, 3. Beach, Deerfield Beach, 4. Southridge, 5. 6. Dr. Phillips, 7. Columbus, 8. Seminole. Number 9 is Flanagan. 10 is Osceola out of Kissimmee. Flanagan is 9. You've got 8 schools ahead of Flanagan. Now, if that doesn't motivate the folks over there in Pembroke Pines, Flanagan, Charles W. Flanagan High School, uh, man, I don't know what will. Pinko's power ratings think they're 8 teams better than you right now. As you sit there with your 8-1 record, uh, with that one loss being by less than a touchdown against Oxbridge, who, oh, by the way, is in the top 10 overall. Somebody's got to help me with that one. No big surprises in any of the other rankings. If you're interested, Class 4A, his top five are Coco, Bulls, Booker T, Reigns, and Jones. Class 5A, Heritage, Jesuit, Cardinal Gibbons, West Florida Tech, five is Rickards. Class 6A, Northwestern at top, Mainland number two, Vanguard, four, Carroll City, five. There goes that Miami Central again. 7A, St. Thomas, no surprise there. Venice, 2. Plant, 3. Braden River, 4. 
Tampa Bay Tech number five. Come on, Pinkos, you're going to have to explain that to me. And I'm going to have Joshua Wilson on with me Friday on my Football Friday edition. And, you know, I can't really come to him with this because he'll just tell us, you know, don't kill the messenger. I've got it on my site. It is uh, Pinkos' um, system, though, not his. So I don't know how much uh, light Joshua Wilson's going to be able to shed on that for me. Just sliding over to state uh, overall national rankings, national rankings. Unless they slip up, looking at the excellent Max Preps, excellent 25, unless they slip up, Bishop Gorman's going to be your national champion. And uh, how likely is that going to happen as they start moving into their postseason? Bishop Gorman's the only thing in Las Vegas in terms of football power. Take an act of God for them to lose in their playoffs over there in Las Vegas because, you know, they get all the best of the best in the surrounding area. They get guys from California for crying out loud. No one's upsetting Bishop Corman. So they're just going to run the table here. IMG, they're done. They're not in any kind of a playoff system. So at number two, uh, after this game, week, uh, this weekend against Chaminade, that's it for them. So no real opportunities to move up, uh, again, unless Bishop Gorman somehow, some kind of way slips up against uh, one of those also-rans in Las Vegas. Number three is Modern Day out of Santa Ana, California. Four is DeSoto. These are familiar names. Tamatha, great once again. Number five. Six is Grayson. Seven, Allen, Texas. You know them. Ones with the big $60 million stadium. Mountain Point in Phoenix, Arizona. Roswell, Georgia is nine. Uh, the aforementioned St. Thomas is 10. American Heritage, 11. St. John Bosco out of California, 12. Colrain out of Ohio, Cincinnati, 13. Centennial out of Corona, 14. And Segoaro out of Scottsdale, Arizona. Come on, give me a break. Number 15. Got to see that. That's your top 15. Max Preps, excellent 25. I'm going to take a quick break. When I get back, to touch a little bit on recruiting here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Stay with us. We'll be right back. set up for the weekend. Well, the Gridiron Stud Show is the place to be. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. and get the best picks in college and NFL football from Chad Wilson and Emil Calamino. They'll break it down for you, give you a little analysis and a little intelligence. You can do that, or you can do this and listen to this. Hey, call me now. I've got the tough plays for the entire weekend. Call me now on a recorded message that will give you free the Jets versus the Bills, the Lions versus the Cowboys, and the Eagles versus the Bucks. Call me now. I've got winners for you the entire weekend. Absolutely free. 1-800-238-I-WIN. 1-800-238-I-WIN. I've got all the inside info from all the casinos. That are those tickets. Call me free. I've got all the winners. Give them to me. I got them to you. You get them. You got them. I got them. We all got them. No need for that foolishness. Gridiron Stud Show. Every Friday, 10 a.m., Chad Wilson, Emil Calamino give you their top picks in college and NFL, and we win without all the foolishness. No spitting, no yelling. Top plays every week. Tune in every Friday, 10 a.m., Gridiron Stud Show, Blog Talk Radio, hosted by Chad Wilson and Emil Calamino. See you there. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? 
Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. And let yourself be seen. Traditional February date. 
The first new signing period would fall on the final Wednesday in June in the last 72 hours. June. I mean, who's out there signing up for their squad in June? Who feels comfortable doing that? And then the other early one would be the second early signing period would coincide with the mid-year junior college period in mid-December. I wonder what that stuff does um, if these things are approved to some of the recruiting websites. How does that affect their reporting? I'm going to start getting some uh, recruiting reporters on the show here uh, in the coming weeks. And again, just as a programming uh, reminder and announcement, the Gridiron Set Show is daily at 10 a.m. As we move forward in the football season and we start to get to the end of it, I'm going to get back to having that recruiting roundtable show, which would be uh, at 8 o'clock on Wednesday nights. Can't do it now. Uh, kind of coaching, and we're doing well. We're in the playoffs, so can't really have a nighttime show. Wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't be best, let me say. But I uh, would like to know the adjustments that have to be made by the recruiting reporters if they do approve these uh, one of or both of these early signing periods. But I still want to know who's uh, trying to do this early sign-up thing. I mean, you're not going to enroll now. Why would you want the signing period in June? What's that do exactly? What are the arguments for that? If someone's out there listening and has an answer for me, again, 347-633-9365. And if you're listening to the archive version of this show, I mean, feel free to uh, hit me up on Twitter at G-I-S show B-G. If you're not following that account, you need to do that right now. Go right now and follow the Gridiron Stud Show on Twitter at G-I-S B-G. But I'd like to, would you be in favor of an early signing period? What's that going to do for you? Uh, it's something heavily debated. But nevertheless, that's that's uh, what you've got. Staying on, uh, you know, recruiting. Found this article on 247 by David Lake. Five commits who will play early next year for the University, I'm the University of Miami. I like when uh, articles like this come up. And I like the title. I like the boldness of the title. Five commits who will play early next year because these folks know. Some of them are obvious. Some are like, okay, what do you know that maybe no one else knows? But let's go through this. Five recruits for the University of Miami who will play early next year. Mind you, they do need to um, continue to be committed to the University of Miami and sign their letters of intent. Because, you know, there's no early signing period. So we got to even just still hang on till February and make sure they do actually land in the University of Miami's 2017 class. And if they do, these are five that will start the university, not start, sorry, that will play early next year, the University of Miami. Time for us to start keeping track of these things. One, Nevon Donaldson out of Central. Donaldson will come in and push for early playing time immediately at a key position of need. The offensive line has been under all types of fire this year. Can't run the ball uh, against the good teams. Can't protect Brad Kaye. He's always on his back. You're going to get the guy hurt. So clearly that is a need. Navon Donaldson, uh, Donaldson is a big guy. 
Also on this list, Trajan Bandy, cornerback out of Columbus. Now, I will say this, Trajan presents the attributes of someone that plays early, even if he does not necessarily pick up the defensive system. He is a cornerback, or maybe they don't feel like, you know, he's ready to play cornerback. The way that this young man plays football demands that he plays on the field somewhere. So if not in the defense, he's going to play special teams something. He runs around. He hits. He enjoys playing the game of football. And, you know, someone with these attributes typically plays early. Can't disagree with that one. Article says he could be their number one nickel corner right off the bat. And there's a lot that goes into that. Nickel cornerbacks are in the run fit. Um, they have to be highly responsive to motions, um, formation shifts, changes. Now, they play smart football like Columbus, but that's a lot to pick up for a freshman. So unless you're just a straight-up man football team, which Miami is and not, then coming in playing nickel and picking up and adjusting to all that while still playing at, a, at full speed um, is a tall task. If anyone can do it, then he's that guy. Here's another one, Amari Carter, defensive back. A defensive back is an uh, area of need for the University of Miami. Just absolutely, positively no depth there whatsoever. Last staff didn't do a really good job of recruiting defensive backs. <laughs> That's just me throwing my dig in there. Just dig. I mean, it's the fact, okay? Didn't. So uh, I guess anyone on the radar now for the University of Miami in the defensive backfield is going to be on this list. Amari Carter, I don't know too much about. But it's not easy to just take freshmen and start throwing them into your I mean, you make a mistake on a defensive line, 10-yard gate. Make a mistake at linebacker, 15, 20-yard gate. Make a mistake in that back half, touchdown. So a lot of this is uh, really dependent upon the player picking up the defensive system and knowing what he's doing back there. Carter is a safety, which means uh, he needs to be highly responsive to calls, probably going to need to make some calls. And so, you know, playing as a freshman is difficult. Not saying he can't, just saying you're going out on a limb when you make such a prediction. Defensive end DJ Johnson. Now, if there's a position where you can play early, defensive end is, is it. You know, not a whole lot in terms of uh, schematics you need to learn at the defensive end position. It really is a position where your athleticism and your youth plays well to you. You can kind of just do what it is that you do. Rush the passer. And not just be totally MIA on run plays. And you can play a lot. So the thinking here is that... uh, as mine is shown with Joe Jackson, um, they're not afraid to give two freshman defensive ends playing time. And again, I'm telling you, it's not as hard as playing a defensive back. And then finally, your punter, Zach Eagles, who's a Miami legacy. Jeff Eagles, his dad, was a punter at the University of Miami, NFL guy. Apparently, we need a punter at the University of Miami. This guy fits the mold. 
uh, has the pedigree, and that's how that is going to roll. So there you have it, folks. Five guys that will see early playing time, okay, at the University of Miami. All right. Um, come to the end of uh, this show here. And, again, I do need to remind you that the Gridiron Stud Show airs weekdays at 10 a.m. If you're trying to listen to it live, I know some of you right now listening to it on the archive version. But we are on live at 10 a.m. If you want to get in here and share a comment, thought, questions, you can do all that at 10 a.m. You can also find us on iTunes podcast. Do that. Multiple ways to find us here. But again, for those of you listening live, I want to thank you right now for doing so. I want to thank you for making this featured show on blogtalkradio.com. Continue to listen. I'm back on again tomorrow at 10 a.m. looking to uh, talk big three in the state of Florida, Florida State University of Miami football with some guests, college football, perhaps a little bit of high school football. Whatever turns up on the uh, docket there for us tomorrow, we'll be on it. So until then, thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day. Good night, Stutcher. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen.